Good morning. Man, can we take a moment to just give it up that that song got sung over all of it, right? I'm like standing back there singing with y'all going like, I don't want to start this sermon emotional. It's going to get crazy from here. <laughs> but it was so good. I'm so grateful that we get to sing together. I'm grateful that it's a week away from Easter because friends, there's just something about Jesus. And I don't say that because it's the title of a sermon series. I say that because it's near and dear to my heart. And I mean that. See, for me, uh, I mean, I resonate with this sermon series. I resonate with what we have been walking through as a human being, for me personally. And I think it's because part of it is I've had moments in life where I, I've struggled with religion. I have, I, I, I have to like chew through things and figure out everything about everything and the why and the what and all this stuff. And, and so sometimes religion's complicated for me and I wrestle with it. And I've had those moments at different times. I've had moments in my life where I've wrestled with passages of scripture that I can't wrap my head around and just been like, God, what is this? And what are you doing? And why is this? And I'm not sure what to think or how this works. I've also had moments where I've just experienced uh, like popular Christianity or even American Christianity to some regard where I'm watching something happen going, is that what this is? Is this what I'm a part of? How does this work? And what do I do with this moment? Have you ever had these moments where you find yourself just kind of wrestling through this going, I'm not sure what, what all of this is or what it means for me. And you, you chew through it and you wrestle through it and you try to figure it out. But you know what I haven't had to figure out? I, I haven't. It, it's Jesus. For me personally, the thing that I haven't had to wrestle with or to ask questions about or to, or to just chew through because there's tension or weirdness or something is Christ. There's just something about who Jesus is that I find so compelling. I had somebody talk to me a little bit ago and just say, Ryan, so why, why do you keep doing this? Why do you still believe all of this? Like, you seem like a smart person. That's what they told me. <laughs> it's always a weird moment, right? We're like, well, thanks, I think. And I just said, I, I can't get away from Jesus. And it's not like he's chasing me around or something, but, but I can't. There's something about who he is. There's something about the way that he loved. There's something about what Jesus did in his life and the way it speaks of God and all that that means about the universe, about God, about who Jesus is. There's something about him that just grips my heart and compels me. And I find myself saying, I, I'd follow that. I'd give my life to this. There's something so good there that I can't get away from it. And it's been just more and more true as I've walked life out. There's just something about Jesus. You know, when you think about his life, Jesus had a certain kind of trajectory, didn't he? I remember holding my firstborn daughter and I look at her and I, all, all I could think of was like, who are you going to become? What are you going to do? I had the same thoughts with my second one, right? Like there's all these paths, there's all these things you could do and with your life and become. Jesus, from the moment he was born into this world, there was a trajectory in place. Because he didn't come here, he wasn't like a happenstance accident. He, he didn't show up because of an apathetic God who was like, let's see what will happen. <laughs> he showed up with purpose and intention, was born into our midst, one of us among us in human flesh, right? And he had a trajectory from the moment he took his first breath and continuing to move on throughout all of his life. And it's a powerful one. I mean, there's something about Jesus being born among us that shows us that, that God wasn't content to be hidden behind a curtain in a temple, that God isn't tucked away in a sacred place on top of a mountain, or even hidden just behind our eyes, behind the clouds somewhere beyond the atmosphere or something. But, but in Jesus, what we see is that God wants to be close. He's not scared of you. He's not scared of me. He's not somehow repelled or repulsed, but clothed himself in humanity, covered himself in flesh and blood and got his 
feet dirty and smelt after a hard day and all of those things. He knows what it is to be you. And that's so powerful to understand and to take away. See, Jesus had a certain trajectory. He had a certain path he was walking from the moment he got here. And he walked it all the way out. In fact, here we stand just a week before Easter. And think of what we're about to celebrate, that Jesus sought to make sure that nobody would ever have to ask the question again, does God love me? Does God forgive me? Does he accept me? For he solves that and he answers that with one proud and profound display upon a cross once and for all. If you've ever had a question, does God love you? The answer is yes. And if you've ever said, but how do you know? I'd say you're worth the life of his son. Jesus looked at you and said, I love you so much. If you want to know what value I place on that, it's my own life. And I want you to see it. I want you to know. I want to put the question to rest, stand in this. And he dies and he rises again that whatever it is that's in us that seeks to come alive again in Christ, whatever it is in your spirit, in your soul, in your heart that seeks to be given life and breathed into. Jesus says, it rises with me. So do you from now to all eternity. Jesus' life had a certain trajectory. There was a certain path that he was walking from the moment it started. And he continued to see it all the way through. And I look at that and I, I'm blown away by it. But I also look at it and I go, but why? You know, sometimes we can see kind of a plastic Jesus in our heads that we wrestle with. Sometimes we'll look and be like, well, he's the son of God. So everything was kind of easy for him and chill. And, and yeah, he didn't sin, but that's because he's just perfect. And, and yeah, he overcame things, but that's just because he has the power of God. Today, we're going to look at a passage. It's such a gift. You're going to get to see this, this really profound moment of, of honesty and vulnerability just before Jesus is arrested where you get to see that it's not just like a figurehead or some kind of like all-powerful God moment walking through this, but you get to see the rawness of his humanity into it. You get to see the struggle of it. And you get to see that Jesus was wrestling with all of this as he continued to set one foot in front of the other, as he walked towards the trajectory he had set out for him, for you, for me, for each of us. And it becomes so powerful. Friends, when we say there's something about Jesus for me today, the thing that I want to convey to you is that Jesus was courageous. The something about Jesus that I so admire and that I so love is that he had this immense kind of courage. This speaks to the question, why? Why do you keep putting one foot in front of the other? Why, when it was such a struggle, when it was so hard, did you keep going? Why did you follow this all the way out to love us this way? Jesus had this immense and profound kind of courage. And that matters for us. Because you know, you're not just a random cosmic accident either. Do you know you're created with intention and with purpose? Do you know that you are made in the very image of God, born with immense value, and that your life matters? There's a path in front of each of you right now that you're walking. You're created to walk it, as only you would, as only your creator would make you to do so. And friends, it will take an immense amount of courage at different moments to rise when adversity stands before you, to rise when difficulty faces in front of you, to grab that courage to continue towards what matters most. Can I ask you a question? And it's this, where in your life, where in your life have you, have you been wanting more courage lately? Where in your life have you been looking going, you know what, I, I wish I had a little bit more courage here. When you stare at the path that's in front of you, knowing what God's put in your heart and the things that you want to walk towards and what you want to be about and what you want to do, and there's adversity in front of you, or there's something struggling that you're struggling with, or there's a temptation that's there, and you go... I need courage in this particular moment. I need courage for this thing. Where is it that in your life you wish you had just a little bit more courage to keep going? You know, I've seen this in different ways played out in the last year. For some people, I've seen so many of us live under kind of a spirit of fear in the last year to such a degree that we're kind of 
held there. It's like you got used to it, like we all did to some degree. And there's this moment of courage to go, wait, I can't let fear make my decisions for me. There's still life there. What's it look like? There's courage to ask that question. There's courage to face that, to figure that out. For some of us, it's that we've watched our lives go a certain direction. We watch the life of a family member, somebody we love about our kids or even our parents or whatever that looks like. And, and there's just an amount of courage that's needed to face the adversity that's in front of you, in front of them, and you care about this. You know, for some of us, and I see this in both adults and students alike, in this, in this last year, in this last season, whatever you want to call it, I've seen so many people go, like, rise to go, I, I care about something only to find themselves disappointed by something they couldn't control feel like the rug got pulled out or something like that. And then I start to hear this phrase that starts to emanate out of people's mouths and out of their hearts. And it's just like, why bother? And what's the point? Which is really just another way of you or me or any of us saying, I mean, I don't want to risk the fear and the feeling of disappointment again. So what's the point in even trying? I think I'll just stick it out here. And yet, you know that there's a life in front of you. You know that you were created for more than just a holding pattern in this world, that you were made with meaning and purpose and value. It will take courage, friends, to rise to the occasion that is your life as you walk the path that's in front of you. Where's that place in your life that you find yourself wishing you had just a little more courage? And see, you're in good company today because as we look at the courage of Christ and we see that there's just something about Jesus here, We get to learn from what it is that we most admire about him and what he walked through. And and there's this passage, Luke chapter 22. We're going to hang out there today uh, in verse 39, where, where we see Jesus walk through this in the most beautiful of ways. And it's honest and it's hard and it's human and it's good for each and every one of us. It's an absolute gift. Let's read through it. Luke 22, verse 39. And he, Jesus, he came out and he went. The reason it says he came out and he went, I'll pause here, is because they've just finished the Passover dinner, which is what we would call the Last Supper. So they've just finished that. He's just finished his final meal with the disciples and they're leaving that room and they're journeying out. As was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. Then in verse 40, it says, when he came to the place, which is the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed. Verse 42 saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. It's just like sobering moment in the life of Christ on the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you keep reading this passage, keep going, you'll see that just moments later, the chief priests and the Pharisees show up to arrest him. And then they haul him off. And this begins the journey of what it is for Christ to be crucified, right? The trials and the mocking and all the things that, that we've read about or heard about or know about. This is the beginning of that moment. There's this gap between the final last supper with the disciples and what's about to become really, really difficult. There's this pause moment in the garden where we see such an honest Jesus as he's journeying through this, friends. And so I hope that we can learn from that experience today. It's like he's centering himself in the courage that he will need to keep walking forward. It's as though he knows what he does, all the adversity and all the struggle and all the difficulty and all of that which lies before him. And as Jesus goes to face all of that, he grounds and centers himself in his courage and in the will of God for his life so that he holds it in his hand when he faces what's in front of him. Because of that, friends, let me, let me make one big point over our kingly here this morning, and it's this. As you go to walk the path that's in front of you, whatever that looks like, whatever that might be, 
Find your courage before you face the adversity in front of you, right? Rather than step into the moment and just try to garner it up from somewhere, learn from this moment in the garden. Pause, center yourself, find your courage before you face the adversity that lies in front of you. And that's what we're gonna talk about a bit here this morning. And if you're wondering what that looks like and you're wondering how to do that, this passage is gonna do a great job. It's beautiful in walking through this. So uh, I want you to look at verse, back to the passage, Luke 22, beginning at verse 40. It says this, and when he, Jesus, came to the place, he said to them, them being his disciples, this, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed. So here's the first challenge or first point I wanna make about courage here this morning. And it's this, courage stays focused on what the heart truly desires. Courage stays focused on what the heart truly desires. You know, the Latin word for courage right there, the root word that it comes from is the word core, which means heart. So courage is something that actually comes from the heart. It comes from the deepest part of who you are. And so quite simply, courage becomes the choice to stand in the face of adversity and to do or to speak what our heart most desires. This is what courage ultimately is. And this is what you see Jesus doing. He looks at the disciples and what's he say to them? He says, guys, pause here. And and will you pray so that you don't fall into temptation? Now, commentators, people will look at this and they'll say, that's Jesus telling them what to pray for, right? As if they suddenly sat down and they said, okay, so God, please don't let me fall into temptation. Please prevent it. Please stop it. Please keep it. But guys, Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's about to happen. He knows that it's going to feel like their whole world just exploded in a few moments here. These guys have been following him for the last three years. They've been giving their lives to this. They've been trying to walk in the way of their rabbi, see the world as he sees the world, live as he lives. They've been following him for three years and they've left lives to do this. They've changed their ways and done different things. And now in a moment, he's going to be arrested, hauled off, tried and crucified. And all of that's going to feel like a bomb went off for them. It's so disruptive. And he looks and he says, pause and pray. Stop here, pray. Stay awake, sailor, pray so that you don't fall into temptation. It's as if to say, Center yourself on what you know to be true, on what God has for you. Seek his will for your life so that you know what this moment is, so that when it all blows up, you're holding it so that you don't fall this way or that. And coincidentally, what do we see Jesus do? He does the very same thing. Because it's really hard when you go to face adversity, when you go to face difficulty, so somehow find your courage in that moment. It can feel like somebody shook you up and what matters most to you is suddenly lost and nowhere to be found. Some of you know this about me, uh, but the, the story of how I asked my wife out for the first time, uh, if you don't, you'll know it now. I worked at a grocery store and there was a Jamba Juice across the street uh, from this particular grocery store and she worked there and I was smitten with her. I thought she was a fantastic human being and I wanted to spend more time with her and get to know her. And I, I was a little nervous about trying to ask her out because to me, she was this like amazing human being. And at the age of 17, when this happened, I was a fixer upper, Right. And so I was just like, all right, I, I hope she'll say yes. I hope she'll go on a date with me. Like, I hope this all works out. And, and, and so I tried to garner whatever little bit of courage I could have. And I drove over there on my lunch break one day and I came walking through the doors of Jamba Juice and I'm gonna ask her out. And she looks at me and she says, hey, Ryan, cause she knew me from school. We'd gone to school together. And she looks at me and says, hey, Ryan. And in that moment, when I heard her voice, it's like somebody took my head and just shook it all up. Like all of the thoughts and all of the structure is just gone. 
And like, I don't remember what my name is. Have you ever had that moment where you lose the ability to walk intuitively? Have you ever had this where you're like, I'm so thinking about how I'm being perceived and about what's wrong and what's right that I, I don't even know how to walk right. And you end up doing weird stuff and you don't know where to put your hands and you look just bizarre. It's like that. I walked in and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. She says, hi, Ryan. And I go, hey, I'll order that one. And I just ordered the first smoothie that I saw because she gets to make it now, which is going to buy me time so that I can get it all together and figure out what to do here. And she makes me this smoothie and she hands it to me. And I said, okay. I'll have a second one. And I ordered a second smoothie. And she goes and makes me this smoothie. And I'm sitting there trying to gear up. And finally, my moment arrives. The smoothie's been made. She hands it to me. And I look her in the eyes. And I said, thank you. And I walked out. Right? And I just got back in my car and was like, what just happened to me? And I did that for two and a half more months. I spent over a hundred dollars, like actually hundreds of dollars in smoothies until I was about broke. And finally was just like, will you go out? With, I can't afford to do this anymore. Will you go out with me? And she said, yes. And it's been amazing ever since. I share this story. I know it's lighthearted, but, but it illustrates a truth, right? In the moment when you face adversity, when you face insecurity, when you fear rejection, like I did in that particular moment, or you're afraid or there's just a weight to what you're walking through and a struggle in this thing, and you go to face that, it can be sometimes like somebody grabs the side of your head and just shakes up everything inside of you. And all of a sudden, what you held dear and what mattered most or God's will for your life or the things that you most deeply desire because of what he has put in you, it's like all of that can just get confused and weird. And those are those moments when if you were to step back and just watch yourself, you're like, who said that? Why did I just do that? What happened there? Where did my courage go? Find your courage before you ever arrive at the moment of adversity. Jesus pauses in the garden and he centers himself and he tells the disciples to do the exact same thing. He prays, they fall asleep. Perfect case study right here. And then watch what happens. They come to arrest Jesus just moments later. It's like the chaos ensues. And what happens? The disciples freak out. Peter grabs a sword and lops a guy's ear off as if he forgot everything that Jesus had been teaching him for the last three years, as if he'd lost complete sight of all that mattered most for what Christ wanted and what God was leading him towards. And then what do you see Jesus do? Pauses the situation, heals the man's ear, willingly lets himself be arrested as he continues to walk the trajectory, the path for his life that he'd set out to do from the very beginning, friends. What's God been doing in your heart? What's he created in you? What's the thing that stirs in you that's his will for your life, the good and beautiful things that you know matter for you? I don't mean in some ultimate sense. I, I can even mean in, in the smallest of senses. You have a sense of maybe who God would most want you to be because you are this thing, the good and the stuff that's inside of you that he wants you to bring to your life and it's there. Friends, pray on that. Center on that. Hold that dear to you so that as you go to face whatever adversity lies on the path in front of you, you can walk with courage in your hand. You don't have to search for it in the moment. It becomes a powerful, powerful thing. That brings me to the second thing here this morning and it's this. Courage accepts vulnerability. This is going to sound counterintuitive, especially in our culture, but it's true. Courage accepts vulnerability. We often look at people who show no vulnerability and we're like, wow, they must be so strong and courageous, 
right? That's kind of the thing that we hold up and yet courage accepts vulnerability. I want you to go back and look at verse 42, the beginning of it. Jesus begins his prayer. And by the way, if he'd only prayed this in his head, John wouldn't be, or Luke wouldn't be writing about it right now, right? So he prays this audibly to the degree that Luke apparently knows what's up. In this particular, he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. This is a moment. If this wasn't in the scripture, I wouldn't believe it happened. I wouldn't because I, I'm the person that would look and go, but Jesus is the all-powerful son of God. And, and so he, he has this and he, it's going to be really tough, but he's empowered. And he's going to do this because this is what he wants and what he's after and he can. And I read this and it's just like the train halts for a moment. And I see with great honesty, the vulnerability of Jesus Christ as he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Can I give you a, a translation of this? He says, God, if there's another way, can we do that? I don't want to do this. Now that might mess with you some theologically. Here's what it's not meaning. It's not saying, God, I don't want to love the world. God, I don't deeply love people. I think Jesus knows exactly what he's about to walk through and walk into. Guys, we're talking about Christ, the son being separated from the father. He cries out upon the cross. Why, why have you forsaken me? There's crazy stuff that Jesus is about to walk through. And he looks and with great vulnerability and with great honesty, what does he say? Father, take this cup from me. This is hard. This is really difficult. I don't want to do this. We know that the second half of the verse says, but not my will, but yours be done. But don't gloss over this first part, friends. This is a huge, huge deal. That's your savior. Think about that. That's your rabbi. That's the person Son of God, Christ, whom you follow. See, courage, here's what he's modeling here. Courage isn't a mask for vulnerability. Courage radically accepts weakness, radically accepts vulnerability and says, but there's something I so care about that I'll choose it even still. That's what makes it so powerful. Without vulnerability and without weakness, there's no need for courage. You got it in the bag. Courage is the moment that vulnerability is accepted and says, yeah, this is difficult. This is hard. And yet, despite the difficulty, despite how hard this is, I choose it even still. There's something that matters more to me here. And so I choose it. And Jesus didn't just think this. He spoke it. He prayed it. We're reading about it here today as a model even for us. See how powerful this is? This is so different. I say this because I think there's times for us, especially in Christian cultures, uh, or in religious culture, to say the least, where we see denial or avoidance as a mask, masquerading itself as courage. If you don't know what that looks like, I'll give you an example from my life. It's a, it's a little different. I haven't been to a doctor in years, outside like an urgent care. Now, I know that some of you immediately want to solve that for me, send me emails, get me a doctor, like send me references. I'm remedying that as we speak. I'm okay, don't worry about it. I'm also not like hidden sick or something. I, I had some questions after I said this last time. Uh, but lo and behold, I haven't seen a doctor in like years, like eight years. That's a long, long time. I mentioned this to somebody a couple of weeks ago and, and I had this really interesting conversation. They looked at me and they said, wow, man, yeah, that's impressive. Like Ryan, that, I, I just don't have that kind of courage. That's what they said. They're like, I, I just... I mean, I want to do that, but I just don't have that kind of courage. I don't have it in me because I'm too nervous about something happening that I don't know about that like I just go and get regular checkups and that kind of stuff. And then they said, but good for you. 
I paused at the end of that conversation, didn't say anything to the person, but the thought that popped into my head was this. They think this is courage. This isn't courage. I'll be really honest with you. For me, this has nothing to do with courage. This is avoidance. That's all it is. I don't want to make a phone call and go through the like, thing of scheduling a doctor's appointment. I don't want to go like pay money in case I am just fine to spend a lot of like the most expensive you're just fine ever. Do you know what I mean? To have that particular moment. And then I also hope that I don't have some kind of like inconvenient thing that gets said to me that I now have to alter whatever I'm doing. And so I'd rather just avoid that altogether. Like an ostrich with its head in the sand. Do you call that courage? No, I don't either. That's why I'm remedying the situation. But isn't it amazing how we sometimes can look at denial and avoidance as a mask for vulnerability, or as a mask for courage? Friends, I want you to hear me when I say this. Your area of greatest vulnerability is also the area where your courage is most compelling. And this is going to mean something different for almost every single person in this room, but it is so true. The area in your life is in the area of your greatest vulnerability that your courage is most compelling. This is what we so love about Christ. It's in the midst of weakness. It's in the midst of the struggle that he still keeps putting one foot in front of the other. It's in the midst of the struggle that he heals a man who sought to wound him. It's in the midst of all of that that he keeps walking that path out that we find ourselves looking at it going, there's just something about Jesus. And it's powerful, friends. What is that for you? What if your greatest vulnerability is really your greatest moment of courage waiting to happen? See, it's powerful. We see Christ live this out and walk this out. And then we get to the third thing here this morning, and it's this. Courage chooses faith. The inescapable moment is that at some point, courage has to choose faith. Because you don't know everything. You don't have it all figured out. Look at the second half of verse 42, right? So the first half we just read, Father, take this cup from me. And then what's the second half say? But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is difficult. This is tough. I don't want to do this. And I'm not even quite sure, like, like this, is, this is just, I'm wrestling with this, right? This is facing adversity and struggle and trial. And yet, not my will, but yours be done. And yet I put my faith somewhere. And yet there's something I desire more. And we see Jesus models this, model this in, in a really powerful way. See, friends, Jesus didn't let fear, stress, anxiety, difficulty, whatever word you want to put in there, Jesus didn't let any of those things make his decisions. Isn't that a powerful thing? Because we struggle with this sometimes. Sometimes these are the very things that make our decisions. And yet Jesus stays true to the thing that matters most to him. He stays true to the course set for him and he walks it all the way out with great meaning and great purpose right? This moment is essentially Jesus saying, despite what I'm walking through, I will choose this even still because something matters so much that I'll carry courage in hand and faith in the other and keep walking forward here. See, we forget this because we forget that we're human. Do you realize, remember, I asked you a question, where's the area that you need courage? What's the thing that's in front of you on the path that's ahead of you? Depending on how you answer that question, right? The, the reality is you don't know how it will turn out. Not because you're dumb, not because you're ignorant, because you're a human being. You don't know, I don't know, we don't know what's around the next corner. We can't see it. We can just see this right here, right now. Uncertainty is a real thing because we are not an all-knowing being. We're finite. We are human beings. That's a lot, but this is still true. 
And sometimes we forget that because sometimes when we step into situations where there's adversity or difficulty or struggle, we try to control everything in the situation so it goes exactly the way that we would want it to. That's not courage, it's something else. Sometimes as we go to step into certain situations, we actually try to just make sure that we can have such certainty that we remain exactly where we are before we'll step anywhere else because this place feels certain and I'm not willing to risk whatever's over there, regardless of what's in my heart, regardless of what God has for me. And so we fix our feet. It's like we forget that you're just a human being. Every step is uncertain. Every moment is a little unnerving. And yet God is God and we have a place to put our faith with all of that. See, when I was in middle school, I had this friend, his name was Cody, and we used to hang out a lot. And so I went over to his house one day and I hung, we were hanging out after school and we're sitting in his living room, having junk food and watching television. And his dad's working outside in the yard. And, and as we're sitting in there, I look at Cody and I notice that on the side of the couch is this BB gun like leaned up against the side of the couch in the middle of the living room. Now, I didn't grow up in a house where there was a BB gun leaned up in the living room. And so I was just like, hey, what's the deal with that? Like, why is, what do you, do you guys just like do that while you watch TV? Like, I don't understand what, what that is. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's broken. And I said, really? He said, yes. And he picks the BB gun up and he cocks it and he points it at the ceiling of his living room and he pulls the trigger and nothing happens. And he goes, see? And then as if to prove the point to me one more time, he does it again and shoots at the ceiling and nothing happens. He's like, it's broken. It's basically useless. It's why it's sitting in the living room. Don't worry about it. And I said, really? Let me see that. And so I started playing around with this BB gun, almost like nervous energy while we're watching television and eating food. And at one point in time, this commercial came on and it's a commercial that I didn't really like or care about. And I just jokingly pointed the BB gun at the commercial and I pulled the trigger and guys, I fixed the BB gun. And I shot a hole in the center of his television as a 12 year old middle schooler who's about to die, right? I did, and his dad's working outside, and Cody's mouth is wide open, and my mouth is wide open, and we're just like, did that just happen? Like, you, this, like that was unfathomable to the both of us. And he looked at me, and he goes, you are going to be in so much trouble. And I looked at him and just thought, maybe if I don't move and don't speak, he won't see me. You know, like that kind of a moment. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out what to do, because this is panic, chaos, struggle, difficulty, fear, you name it, it's all here. Here's the first strategy that my 12-year-old brain concocted in that moment where I was like, blame Cody. First strategy, blame Cody. After all, he's the one with a BB gun sitting next to his couch in the middle of the living room. He's the one who told me the thing is broken and basically useless and he fired it off at the ceiling twice, like modeling the behavior. Of course I was gonna do something, right? It's all Cody's fault. And then I thought to myself, no, that's not the kind of friend that I ultimately wanna be and that's not really true. He didn't force me to point a gun at his television and shoot a BB into it. This is so dumb. Strategy number two, pretend like nothing happened. That was my second thought. It's fine. Like nobody's, who's going to notice? Like, it's not like it's your only TV. Oh, it is your only TV. Okay. Well, we'll just, it's fine. You want to just like, what show do you want? You want to do something else? You want to go outside? Like, I just want to pretend like this didn't happen. And Cody's just staring at me like, are you a moron? <laughs> right? Like, no. You shot a hole in my television. So then I think of the third thing. The third thing is just run. Go home, never go away, like never come back. Like Cody's dead to me. This house doesn't exist. I will never be there ever again because I don't want to ever deal with this moment. I don't want to deal with the wrath of stepping outside and talking to Cody's dad. 
ever. Those are my three choices. And I looked at all of that and I kid you not, I look at Cody and I'm like, I gotta be honest here. Maybe this is the vulnerability moment. Gotta be honest here. I'm really worried that your dad's actually gonna kill me. And he, like a great friend reassured me and he goes, oh, he definitely will. And then I did not know what to do. I'm a 12-year-old freaking out inside of my friend's house. And so I, I, I stopped. I kid you not. I just prayed on the middle of his couch holding this baby gun. And I said, I remember saying, God, being a good friend and an honest person seems so stupid right now. I don't want to do it. But I also know that, like, I think this is what's right and that this is what you'd have for me and what you want for me. And I said, please give me the courage to do this. And so I picked the BB gun up and I walked outside and I walked up to Mr. Thompson, Cody's dad. And I said, hey, Mr. Thompson, good news. I fixed your BB gun. And he said, really? Thanks, Kramer. That's what he would call me. And I said, bad news is I shot a hole in the center of your television. And he just stared at me for a while, holding the BB gun that I just handed him, where I was like, that was a mistake. I should have taken that back, right? And then he puts the BB gun down on the wall, which I thought was a very good sign. And he goes, are you joking right now? And I said, no. And he said, are you stupid? And I said, yes. And he goes, I'm going to need you to get out of here. And then I started getting ready to leave. Like, really? That's it? And then he pauses me and I'm waiting for the hammer to drop and I'm terrified. And he looks at me and I'll never forget this. He goes, but hey, Kramer, before you go, he was like, it took a lot of courage to come out here and be honest with me the way that you just were. And I really appreciate that. And I think it's pretty big. I think it's a pretty big deal. Oh, you clap. (laughs) That's the first time anybody's clapped for that story. And then he finished his sentence by saying, now get out of here before I lose my mind. And I took off running. And that was the end of that moment. Now, here's the thing. I I was so scared. It's like, again, somebody takes your head and shakes the whole thing up. And and in those moments when you face difficulty, right? We laugh, this is like a, a hole in a television with a BB gun with some kids. But when you look at real life, when you look at some of our bigger moments, some of these things that we face at large, It's so difficult in that to garner up your courage or to find your sensibility or any of these things because we want to avoid, we want to hide, we want to run the opposite direction, we want to blame, we want to somehow just pretend like everything's fine or control or manipulate. Courage is something so much more powerful, so much so, and this is the the real lesson I learned. I am so glad, guys, that I did that. And not because it worked out great. I'm so glad that I did that because that's who I ultimately wanted to be. Even if it had been a terrible situation with a terrible moment, I got to walk away liking who I was and believing good things were in store for me. It's a powerful thing because there's still a path and a trajectory ahead. There's one in front of you too. And it will require courage to face whatever difficulty and adversity stands your way. But know this, another thing we learned from the story I just shared with you is that even the smallest moment of courage is enough to make a man who just had a hole shot in his television by a BB gun pause and say, that's really something, and I'm thankful to have seen it. Is it any wonder that we marvel at the courage of Christ? 
If the small moment like that can cause that kind of pause, is it any wonder that we find ourselves here on Palm Sunday and a week from now on Easter celebrating full tilt because he has died and is risen because he had the courage to walk it all the way out? Is there any wonder that we find ourselves compelled in saying there is just something about Jesus even to this day? It is powerful, friends. You know, when you read that passage, did you recognize that God had to, he's praying so hard and so fervently and he's struggling so much that God actually sends an angel to strengthen him and that the passage also says that sweat began to pour from him like drops of blood to the ground. Some commentators think that's just being illustrative of how hard Jesus was praying and how intense it was. But do you know if you're under enough anxiety and if there's enough weight and stuff put on top of you and you're struggling through it, that you will actually burst blood vessels and can sweat real blood in those particular moments? He is going through something so incredibly difficult and he keeps walking. Why? Right? That's the question I asked at the very beginning and it's the question I still hold. Where did the courage come from? Why did he walk it out? Why does he walk to the cross? Why does he allow that to occur? He's God. There could have been another way, guys. The moment we say there couldn't, we limit who God is. Like, you can't. Why did he choose that path, that way, that direction? And why did he walk it out the way that he did? Why? Where did he find that courage? Because I want that for my life. I want that for the trajectory that I'm headed on. And I've come to find an answer to that question that has been in me for so long in the last couple of years. And I'd love to answer it here today. And it's this, friends. It's because he loved you. It's why. It's because he loves me. It's because he loved his disciples. It's because he loved all the crowds of people that gathered around him, but it's also because he loved the Pharisees and the high priests who were about to show up in the garden to arrest him. It's because he loved the people who jeered at him and chanted crucify him, even though he had sought to care for them. It's because he loved the person who hammered the nails to the cross. It's because he loves the whole world, all people in the most profound of ways. And there was not going to be a moment in human history that allowed the mute button to get put on the love of God and stop Christ in his tracks. His courage, if you hear nothing else today, hear this, his courage was a product of his love because that's what's in his heart. And it gave him the gumption to walk the trajectory that was his life and his death and his resurrection that we might walk in our lives and rise with him, friends. This is why we are compelled even still. This is why there's just something about Jesus in here in the year 2021, one week from Easter. I still marvel at it and am moved in my core by it today. It is powerful, friends. And so for you, may his courage point you toward his love for you. May his courage be a loud demonstration and display of just how much he loves you. May the love that filled Jesus with courage fill you with the very same thing as you face whatever path is in front of you with whatever adversity exists or will come. And as you continue to walk whatever path God has you on, may you find your courage now so that as you face it, you can hold courage in one hand and faith in the other as you step into whatever it is that's before you, friends. You are in good company. And I'm so excited for Easter. Amen.